Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm here to chat with movers and shakers who will inspire you to live your best life and dream big. So this is actually my first virtual interview. Usually I do all my interviews in person, but hey, this is podcast in the time of Corona, so obviously I had to modify. On the bright side, because I've switched to virtual format for the time being, I was able to chat with Andy Mant, who is a light educator and founder of Blue Blocks Glasses. Andy is actually based all the way in Australia, so there was no other way I could speak to him other than a virtual format. I can't actually take credit, though, for having discovered Blue Blocks myself. I was told to check out the brand and Andy by my friend Jordana of iHeart Nutrition, who I've actually also had on the podcast. Basically, she called me up one day and told me I had to have Andy on the podcast. And so I did some research and was blown away by his expertise. I've been fascinated with light, the impact of blue light and the circadian rhythm for a while. And I couldn't have dreamed of a better guest to educate all of us on this other than Andy. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this interview and how much I learned, and I can't wait to dive into our conversation. He answered all of my questions about, you know, why we feel hungry when we're up late or why we tend to feel so much better and more productive when we wake up early in the morning. So all of those have so much science behind them, and he's he was able to speak so well on all of those points and so much more. So I'm really, really excited to talk to him. And with that, let's welcome Andy Mant to the Dream Bigger podcast. All right, Andy. So I would love to know how you got so involved in the research around light. Yeah, great, uh, great question. And I've always had um, major issues sleeping ever since I was um, a teenager. Um, And it wasn't until my sort of late 20s, um, early 30s, that I really started to take a proper look at my health from an overall sort of holistic um, viewpoint. And um, I was always um, one of those sort of geeky kids that liked to do all my own research, come up with my own conclusions. And um, when it came to sleep, that was that was no different. And what I did was I delved into the science, the academic literature, and um, I discovered that we all had something called a circadian rhythm, um, which we can talk about um, in, in more depth later on if, if the um, time arises. But I found that this rhythm was governed by light and dark cycles. It would set your hormones and it would help you sleep and have energy um, in the day. And, um, what I found was that 
ancestrally we evolved to um, be active during the day and be inactive and, and relaxed in the evening. And what prompted us to feel this way was sunlight. Um, specifically the blue frequencies from the sun. You know, you look at the um, sky typically and it's blue and it's that um, that color of light that gives us the energy we need during the day. But what we did and what I found in, in the literature was that we invented these things called LED lights um, all after the incandescent lights that um, preceded them was, you know, they were very high in this blue frequency as well. So what we were doing is we were going home after dark, um, switching on our house lights, watching TV, you know, playing on our smartphones. And the blue light that was present in in those um, LEDs was basically telling our circadian rhythm that it was daytime and that we didn't need to relax and um, produce something called melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. Um, so then I discovered that to remedy this, you needed to block certain frequencies of light after sunset to mimic what our ancestors would have seen. So if you think of our ancestors, they would have just seen the reds, oranges, yellows of the campfire. Um, so there was something I discovered called blue light blocking glasses. So I went onto Amazon, um, grabbed a few pairs of those, um, uh, those glasses. They were sort of like amber lenses. And I noticed some improvement to my sleep, but my sleep wasn't optimal. Um, so I found that in the literature, there's a very distinct band of light that you have to block 100% of in order to produce the optimal amounts of melatonin after sunset to be able to sleep um, deeply and restoratively. Um, I won't go into exactly what that frequency is because it probably wouldn't make too much sense to people, but there's a, a very distinct frequency of light and it's, it's all the blue light and the majority of green. So what I found was that um, the deeper I delved into this, the more I found that the glasses that I was wearing and that I bought from Amazon um, were really not blocking anything much within the range that they should be blocking. So I had them all tested, um, about 20 pairs of these glasses, and found that there was, yeah, not even close to 100% blocking in that, um, in that range. So it would give slight improvement improvements to your sleep but not um the most optimal ones so that was when yeah i got really into light and, and developed our own product that actually was backed by science in line with what you had to be blocking and you know that was how you know blue blocks was born and and how i got into you know the light side of things that's very very cool so when it came to launching blue box like how did you go about doing i guess all the all the right research and sort of creating this this product that actually did end up blocking everything yeah ab absolutely um yeah so so i was very fortunate that i knew people in an optics laboratory here in in australia so when i was initially wearing the the cheap glasses i bought from amazon i, I saw some improvements in my sleep but it still wasn't optimal and, and when i was reading the science wearing these blue light glasses should have given me optimal sleep. So that was where I was a bit like, well, something's not right here. So that's when I went on and bought a few different brands, took them down to my mates down in the, this laboratory and just said, look, can you, can you test them? Can you run them through your spectrometer and tell me exactly the frequencies of light they're blocking? And if they're not blocking, um, you know, the, the specific frequencies of light, which we later found out none of them were, could you create a specific tint to go on our nighttime lenses in order to 
block 100% of that? And they said, yeah, it's easy. It's just a case of, you know, sort of basic color physics. Um, and that's when we, yeah, created that product. And what, what happened was after that, we had about sort of 20 prototypes, um, all of the same um, ilk. And we, we sent them out with all the science to people of influence within um, the, I guess, the holistic health um environment and and these people have been wearing blue light glasses all their life and we said look we think that you're not optimizing your health and here's the science why and here's our product can you try it um and every single one of those people came back and just said you've got something here you've got to you know you've got to launch a company you've got to educate people on all the misinformation that's out there on light and and health and you know the, the issue you have um is that whenever something starts to gain popularity you have a lot of opportunistic people that come out of the woodwork and think you know wow I can capitalize on this I can make some money Mm -hmm. here it's trending and what we see is um, a whole host of blue light glasses companies coming out where they're mass producing product in China in factories with no regard to biophysics and and quantum biology and how light actually impacts the system um, what frequencies of light Um, and they market it very well and you know they um, go out and you know sell it put them on you know a lot of pretty influencers and and sell a lot of glasses but these glasses are actually not doing anything for for people's health or or digital eye strain during the day and what was one of our biggest um, sort of pet peeves with the blue light industry was the amount of companies that were selling clear lenses and calling them blue blockers, you know. Yeah, I was literally just going to ask you about that. Like literally, I was just going to ask you about that. You only have to look at a color wheel. If you just Google color wheel, you'll see a wheel and and the opposite color is needed to block out the color opposite to it. So on a color wheel, Mm -hmm. um, if you want to block the color blue, you need an orange. And if you want to block the color green, you need the color red. So those two colors need to be blended. Um, it's a lot more scientific than this, but they need to be blended in order to create a tint that will block 100% of blue and, and the majority of the green light. Clear, you're, you're not going to filter much at all. You know, you can filter up to about 30% of blue light, which is mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic for during the day when you're sat looking at a, um, a laptop or you're working in the office and you want to protect your eyes from digital eye strain. But after sunset, we need to mimic what our ancestors saw. And if you're wearing clear glasses and you are looking through those glasses and say a few of your listeners now have got those glasses, pop them on and tell me, can you see the color blue? If the answer is yes, they're not blocking blue light. It's very, very simple. Um, if, if you put on a pair of our Sleep Plus glasses after sunset, you will not see the color blue anywhere. Um, and then you know they're blocking blue light. Um, so look, clear glasses have their place, but only during the day and only if you want to um, reduce down digital eye strain. However, there is another issue with them. Um, and a lot of the mass-produced clear lenses from, from China typically focus on violet light, which actually isn't present in any large degree within LEDs. LED lighting actually spikes at 465 nanometers, which is the mid-range of blue. And a lot of blue light glasses that are clear um, and are used for computer work during the day actually focus on filtering light at 380 to 400 nanometers, which isn't the problem area within your LED devices, you know, your TV, your laptop, your office lighting. So you just got to be very, very careful that you know, when you go to buy blue light glasses, and, and this is in no means um, 
you know, a lecture for people to be like, you can you can only buy from Blue Blocks. If there's other companies out there that can provide spectral analysis reports and give you the confidence you need that, you know, when you ask them a question about, you know, the blue light spike or are these blocking 100% of blue light and how should they be worn? And they come back to you and give you the science and they show you the lens reports and they talk to you and reassure you, you know, that their product is doing what it does, then absolutely go for it. But you just got to be cognizant to the fact that you shouldn't just jump online, buy the cheapest pair you can find and, and expect it to do the same thing. It's like going to buy a car. If you go and buy, mm-hmm. you know, um, a secondhand Ford that's 30 years old and been beaten about and, you know, not really sort of um, looked after very well. And then, you know, you expect it to perform like a Ferrari that's brand new out of the garage, then, you know, you're, you're going to be very disappointed. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that not all blue light glasses are created equal. And you've got to make sure that when you look to buy a brand of glasses, that the company that you're buying from is clearly shown they've done the scientific research um, and has lens spectral analysis reports for you to look at as well. That is really, really fascinating stuff. So as a follow-up question, obviously, you know, like we we know that all of our screens have like emit blue light and obviously, you know, um, blue light glasses do block against that. But say, you know, you turn that, you know how now laptops and like all sort of screens, they have these apps which have like red light emissions as opposed to blue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's there's two platforms, two applications that do this. One's Iris and the other one is Flux. Um, mm-hmm. So what these do is they're softwares that can remove um, a lot of the blue light that's in your screen, um, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I think they're a great aid to use in combination with blue light glasses. And the reason I say that they should be used in combination is that there's no application for the office lights or the house lights or your TV um or your fridge light you know so you've got a lot of people have this misinformation that blue light is only in your laptop and smartphone you know it's Mm. it's, if if anything's emitting you know a white sort of type of light um so that could be um you know like like i said your house lights your office lights fridge appliances your your modem car headlights street lamps tv you know you name it um it's emitting emitting blue light the only reason you don't see the color blue from it is because of the phosphorus filament um in the led which burns a a, a bright white um but when you measure it with a spectral analyzer it's um almost entirely blue so you know you've got to look at all these different light sources and to optimize your light environment there are hacks that you can do aside from the blue light glasses, such as flux or iris on your laptop, um, such as having a salt lamp next to your workstation when you're working because it gives out a red light. The The issue you have with artificial light um, compared to sunlight is the mm-hmm. um, changing composition of um, the different frequencies of light. So when you look at sunlight and you measure it on a spectrometer, it has the same amount of blue light present that it does orange, red, green, amber, everything, you know, it's all very Mm -hmm. balanced. Okay. And what um, you get when you look, when you utilize led backlit digital devices or or anything that's using an led or fluorescent light source is no other color aside from a very high spike in blue light and a little bit of green. So when Mm -hmm. you look at the properties of how light functions within um, human biology, 
blue light is like i said earlier it's responsible for making us feel alert and awake but on a cellular level it causes damage to the cells so when you're outside you know our, our ancestors were outside they would have been exposed to you know situations where they would have had a high ultraviolet light they would have had high blue light and these things would have been great you know blue light would have been fantastic for keeping them alert and awake but it would have caused cell damage to the eyes UV light will come on to later, great for synthesizing vitamin D, but must be, you know, but does cause cellular damage. But what's present in the sun is two different frequencies of light. One is red, um, and red is a very healing property of light. It causes cellular repair um, at the surface level. So think of, you know, red light being something that increases collagen in the skin, something that repairs cells mm-hmm. in the skin. It's very anti-aging. And when you um, couple that with an invisible frequency of light called infrared light, which is present in the sun Mm -hmm. as well, that restores deep within the muscle tissues and and fat cells within the body to restore any cellular damage caused by the blue light from the sun during the day. Now, when you look at artificial light sources, what have they stripped out? They've stripped out the infrared light. They've stripped out the red light and just left the blue light in there. So yes, it makes us feel alert and awake during the day, which is totally fine but you're getting all the cellular damage and none of the repair. And that coupled with the fact that we then go home and do exactly the same thing after sunset when blue light naturally shouldn't even be present in our environment, we're not giving our skin and our cells um, and, and our biology any time to heal. So blue light is... You know, it's a double-edged sword in nature, but it's also a major problem in man-made um, artificial light sources because we've stripped out all the good restorative light and just left in the damaging light. So this is why I always say to people that, you know, you can manage blue light during the day by wearing blue light glasses. But if you're not getting lots of sun breaks outside, if you're not having any red light present in your environment, then you're still going to have major issues. So it all comes down to, you know, a uh, a multitude of different approaches a lot of them are free being out in nature but also you know things like setting up setting up your workstation correctly and you know having red light bulbs in your house or utilizing a red light therapy device where you can as well to offset any of the damage caused by you know artificial blue light during the day as well this is so fascinating because I like I, I had a hunch that even probably lights like just light bulbs around the house, especially office light, obviously goes without saying had blue light. But I mean, this is this is really fascinating stuff. And like salt lamps, I, I didn't realize that they had a like that sort of benefit where they sort of like brought in that red that we're missing in our workstations usually. Yeah, absolutely. And salt lamps are great, you know, not, not just from their sort of, um, you know, ionizing effect and, and you know, um, helping to, to cleanse the atmosphere that you're in as well. But yeah, just, just the, mm-hmm. the color of light they give out is it's fantastic as well and, and really restorative. Um, but it doesn't negate the fact that there's no infrared light present and infrared mm-hmm. light is, is desperately needed by the human body. So people have two options. They need to be outside as much as they can. Um, you know, eating your lunch outside, if you work in an office, going out for sun breaks where you can, um, you know, just to be outside in the, in the sun, getting the, the restorative benefits, you know, I'm not talking about sunbathing, um, for, you know, 10 hours a day, just, just going out for, you know, an hour or two a day in the sun is, is going to be enough to give you that restorative benefit. And, you know, you can also look at, red light therapy devices um we've, we've got one coming out um in a few months that will contain red and near infrared light so people that 
can't get outside or if it's cloudy and there's no sun sunlight and, and especially for winter people can use that to you know really restore any of the damage um that blue light has caused during the day that is super cool so i mean just to get really really nitty-gritty from a scientific standpoint um what like what is the impact that blue light has on our sleep cycle like why is our rem sleep cycle better in the absence of blue light yeah yeah absolutely um so the way there's there's two ways in which sleep works okay the first one which i won't talk much about is called sleep pressure so we all run um an energy cycle through our mitochondria um which utilizes something called adenosine triphosphate atp um and a byproduct of that is um, adenosine and it builds up throughout the day in the brain until it comes to such a point when we um, can no longer stay awake and we need to go to sleep to have the deep and REM sleep cycles to clear out that adenosine from the brain. Um, so that's that's the, the first way of sleeping. But then there's a second way that we have sleep induced and that's the circadian theory. So we have this circadian rhythm, which is governed by light and dark cycles. So when the sun is out um, and our eyes are exposed to blue light, it sends a message to the brain that it's daytime, that we need to keep cortisol levels um, elevated more than usual. We need to increase dopamine production and we need to increase serotonin production. These are all things that help keep us alert and awake and happy during the day. The other sort of... um, cue and entrainer of circadian rhythms is also the absence of blue light so darkness so when the sun has set um the blue light um basically diminishes to to nothing um you know think of if you're out camping all you're seeing is you know the campfire and when this blue light disappears that sends a signal to the circadian rhythm again the clock system that it's now nighttime and what we need to do is we need to put our bodies into repair um, and, and restore mode. Um, and what happens is it starts to suppress the hormone cortisol. Um, too much cortisol makes you feel anxious and alert and awake. You don't want that in the evening. So what happens is that starts to drop down and, you know, cortisol, um, is then at such a point that melatonin can then start to be produced. And melatonin then is, um, our sleep hormone. It's also an ultra powerful, antioxidant so it doesn't just induce sleep it also is involved in cleaning inflammation um you know growth and repair within the body and it's an antioxidant so you know it it scavenges any free radical oxygen um, atoms that are present causing damage within your cells so you need lots of melatonin Um, and the only way you can produce melatonin is in the absence of blue and green light after sunset so if you're Mm -hmm not wearing blue light glasses and you're watching tv or got your house lights on when you come home from from work you're going to have a harder time sleeping um because your body is not going to produce as much melatonin and then you have a few people that you know can watch tv and still go to sleep but what happens Mm -hmm. is they don't produce as much melatonin and the less melatonin you have the less REM sleep and deep sleep you're going to have which means less restoration and less repair so you're going to leave yourself you know in, in this state of inflammation constantly. And we all know that, you know, if you leave your body in a state of inflammation for a long period of time, you know, like say five, 10, 15 years, you're going to get chronic illness when you're older. So this is why, you know, blue light and, and the management of, of blue light is, is ultra important, you know, 
not so much during the day. I mean, it's still important for digital eye strain, headaches, migraines, things like that. Um, but it's super important after sunset because we're living in this constant state of, of daylight. Um, our brain, when we switch on an LED light, when we open a fridge to cook dinner after sunset, it's all sending incorrect signals to our brain that is saying it's daytime let's keep cortisol levels high and then we see mm -hmm. things like um melatonin levels not produce um optimally which means that you know we go to bed later we wake up feeling tired in the morning because we're not getting good restorative sleep so you know it's all a story of melatonin and the story begins with blue light because you can't produce melatonin in the presence of blue light you know think of you know the fact if you could produce melatonin in the presence of blue light, just think how sleepy you'd be all day. Um, you know, when, when the sun's shining outside, you know, you'd be sleeping all, all day because melatonin would constantly be, be, be being produced. But, you know, cortisol is, is our friend during the day, um, but it's our enemy um, after, um, after sunset. And the same is true with, with melatonin. It's the enemy during the day and it's the, the friend after, after sunset. So it's just making sure that these hormones are functioning properly in the body. And the only way to ensure that they're functioning properly on, on the correct circadian cycles is by taking light seriously, being, you know, managing it correctly during the day and blocking certain frequency, frequencies of it after sunset. This is really, really fascinating. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I'm going to do is obviously order myself and actually my partner a pair of your glasses because he especially because he stays up late working and his sleep quality is really, really poor. And I've been saying for so long that it's because he stares at a screen before sleeping. But this like, I mean, this just proves all of that, obviously. So this, this is really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly right. Um, that will be uh, um, blue light will, will be the culprit. And, you know, a lot of um, a lot of people also feel as well that, you know, health is this one, you know, one size fits all thing. You know, if, like, for instance, they'll look at one thing and go, well, if I eat healthy, I'm going to be healthy. Um, someone that's into exercise might be I can eat what I want. but If I exercise, I'll be fine. But what a lot of people don't understand, there's so many different pillars of health that we need to address in order to optimize our, our lives and you know exercise is one of them food and diet mm -hmm. is is another one I, I don't preach a specific diet i think it's very individual um mental health and, and well-being is is another one mindfulness um and you know light management um and quantum biology is is another one and you know it's it's probably the most overlooked um pillar of health when it, it comes to um you know addressing your um i guess the environment you're living in and you know it it, it seems to have some of the most you know sh the strongest weight when it comes to health and, and well-being as well because light impacts mental health it impacts how we process food it impacts how we feel and how we want to um interact with the world it um, governs how well we perform so you know it's it's very very interesting that you know when you actually start looking at lights, um, how it has such a huge impact on all the other pillars of health as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, I mean, from like, I guess we know that blue light obviously impacts sleep, but what about weight gain? Because I have read a lot of literature saying that there is a link between blue light exposure and metabolism and weight gain. Have you ever found anything like that um, based on your research? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of ways it, it, it influences weight. Um, the first is that if you, a lot of people in the food industry, um, when I say food industry, I mean like, you know, researchers that research food and diet seem to think that the only way that you can raise 
insulin levels and blood sugar levels in the body is by eating carbohydrate um mm-hmm. maybe overeating protein something like that as well or it will increase your blood sugar levels um and we all know that you know when you look at hormonal theories of um, obesity and weight gain that insulin is the driver of fat storage within the body so you could eat a specific meal and if your insulin levels are high and you know your blood sugar levels are high you're more likely to store the calories you eat as as body fat now what a lot of these food gurus don't know and that it's very clear in the literature that it's not just food that increases insulin levels. Blue light actually has been shown in studies to increase blood sugar levels and increase um, insulin levels independent of food. So people could be fasted, they could not eat food, they could be eating food. If they eat it under the wrong kind of light or if they're not eating at all, but they're bathing themselves in artificial blue light, your insulin levels and your blood sugar levels are going to be elevated, which means that any food that you do eat you may store as body fat. So, you know, you could be eating a really healthy diet and not losing weight. And the reason could be that you're eating it under the wrong type of light. Um, you know, you should be eating it outside. Um, when you look at the um, how light interacts with the gastrointestinal um, tract. Um, also, when you look at what causes insulin to rise um other non-native emfs do it as well and i won't go into too much detail because i'm not a a huge specialist on it i'm more in in terms of light but if you're around wi-fi microwaves and bluetooth that can also increase blood sugar levels as well and there was a really interesting study that showed someone that was popped their food in a microwave um, and was taking blood sugar readings every 30 seconds that they had this microwave on and every 30 seconds they moved away from the microwave just a few steps and their blood sugar levels were huge when they were by the um, microwave and it was doing its thing and as they moved away from it it returned slowly back to where it should be and then they did it again moving towards it and it started to shoot up again so non-native emfs can even increase um, insulin and blood sugar levels so you've got to be careful with you know how you utilize a microwave i mean i i don't um suggest even using one um, just for what it does to the nutrient profiling of, of your food you're putting in there but also for your health it's 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 horrendous um mm. the other way is well there's two other ways um is through sleep um so if you're exposing yourself to blue light at the wrong times of day you're going to disrupt your sleep and if you disrupt your sleep and don't have good quality sleep this also increases insulin and blood sugar levels in in the body and when we have heightened levels of um, the hormone insulin in our in our body and and high blood sugar levels we crave um you know those naughty foods you know those those foods that are high in <laughs> sugar and fat you know your donuts and um you know your burgers things pizzas things like that so you know right. by disrupting your circadian rhythm you can actually create a hormonal environment in your body where you know, it's no, by no fault of your own, you're reaching for the wrong types of food. And, you know, it's harder to eat healthy because your body is craving so much crap. Um, you know, those high energy dense foods, um, because the circadian rhythm is, is completely out of whack and your insulin levels as a result become completely um, disjointed. And the third way that, um, light impacts, um, how we, process food and and partition specific macronutrients is um, again circadian in nature when you've got a properly functioning circadian rhythm there actually becomes specific time points during the day that we can digest food in 
more favorable way. So by that, I mean that if you, t- if you had a, a really healthy circadian rhythm, so you were active during the day, you've always had really, really good energies. You, you jumped out of bed in the morning, you go to bed at a reasonable hour and you sleep well. Um, you, if you ate a meal, any meal, okay. And you ate it at seven o'clock at night and then you ate that same meal at seven o'clock in the morning, how your body would partition those macronutrients and use that utilize the um, micronutrients and macronutrients within that meal be very different at those two different times of the day. So when you actually look at chrononutrition, it's very clear that, you know, you're more primed to burn fat from the food I guess you're eating, not store body fat from the food you're eating. If you're eating the majority of your calories between um, sunrise and midday, and it just seems mm-hmm. to be that the light from the, the, the sun at that time of the day primes the GI tract to be, you know, the, the perfect combination of, of insulin, leptin, um, ghrelin, neuropeptides um, to be able to digest food efficiently. And when you look at how, you know, if you're eating your meal after sunset, you know, large meal after sunset, you know, number one, you're eating it under the wrong type of light for that time of the day, which means that your insulin levels are going to be through the roof. You're more likely to store it as Mm -hmm. fat. After sunset, we need to put our body into a restorative mode. So we need to go through a lot of apoptosis and autophagy um, and prime our bodies for sleep and eating a lot of food before bed interrupts um you know the the production of melatonin because it all starts from the gut through through serotonin mixing with tryptophan um and it also puts your body into a state of of activeness by digesting food so there's an old adage that we always swear by and you know a lot of old wives tales are are typically true and, and backed by science you just have to find the science to to match it is that you should be eating your breakfast like a king um lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper and if you do that you're going to have a, a lot better time both aesthetically and also from a health perspective um, rather than doing the opposite, which is hardly eating any breakfast and, you know, eating a lot of your your calories before you go to bed. So those are the three sort of methodologies in, in how blue light and circadian rhythms really impact how we either hold on to weight or, or release weight. That is really fascinating. So, I mean, expanding on the idea of the circadian rhythm, because I mean, you've talked about, like, you know, at certain points of the day, you should be outside or eating outside. Like, how does all of this work? Is there an optimal time to be outside? I mean, should you be outside the whole day? Like, what do you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. And, you know, what I alluded to earlier is we all have these circadian rhythms, okay? They're little, just think of them as a little clock that's in your brain um, and in every single cell of your body. And the master clock is is in the supercharismatic nucleus, which is in the center of the brain. And this um, clock system is governed by light and dark cycles. So the first light that you need to see in the morning to entrain and start that clock ticking correctly is the rising sun. So it's a nice free thing you can do, okay? And it doesn't matter if it's cloudy, rainy, you know, sunshine, whatever. That first light your eyes should see is that sunrise. That will increase dopamine. You know, it's a reward reward system. You know, think of, um, you know, chocolate, sex, things like that. Dopamine, huge release, makes you feel good. Serotonin, also a happy hormone. It's produced in the gut when we watch the sunrise. 
and serotonin is later needed to produce melatonin. So it's very important to get that. Um, and then that sunrise in the morning will also spike your cortisol levels. It's almost like a jump start. You know, it's, it get, kicks you into gear and gets you out of bed, gets you jumping out of bed. And I never used to be a morning person. I always used mm-hmm. to be someone that laid in bed till, you know, as, as long as I could. Um, and I always used to think morning people were crazy. But until you actually start doing it and sync your circadian rhythms, you, you won't realize what you're missing. It's, it's an, an incredible feeling. You know, I've been up since sort of 5 a.m. Um, I'm, I'm out of bed. I literally cannot lie in bed. I, I need to be up looking at sunlight in the morning because, you know, it's just how optimal my, my circadian rhythm is now. And it's taken years of, of fine tuning. Um, so by, by no means do you need to be outside all day. Um, you know, it'd be optimal, but you know, obviously we live in the 21st century and we all have jobs to go to and and bills to pay. So it's just making sure you have regular sun breaks throughout the day. The, the beauty of the sun is that throughout the day, it changes very subtly in the frequencies of light, both visible and invisible that are, that are emitted from it. Color temperature changes as well. And all of these subtle changes in the sun's, um, you know, um, light frequencies, um, during the circadian phase all sends different messages to the brain to keep our hormones optimal. Um, and that's why it's so important that you're not just stuck in under artificial light. So I always say, you know, people go out for smoke breaks. So why can't you go out for a sun break for five minutes, just go outside, no sunglasses on and just sort of walk around and be outside. And the, and the, the messages passing from the sun through your eyes, um, is going to send, you know, new messages to the, the central clock system to keep the correct hormones functioning. Um, you know, when you have your lunch, be outside, you know, if it's raining, sit under cover, but be somewhere where you can see outside, um, ideally not in front of a window. Um, and then if you can watch the sunset, that's also fantastic as well. And then after that, you need to put on your blue light blocking glasses and, you know, wear those until you want to go to bed. And then, you know, that's then completely optimal in, in your environment. And I don't think it's, you know, it's not like I'm saying to someone that's got a really shitty diet, you know, go out and eat plants or, you know, only eat this sort of way for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is watch the sunrise, go outside three or four times a day and block artificial blue lights wearing, um, you know, red lens, blue light glasses after sunset, eat the, your calories, the majority of your calories between you know, 7am and and midday, have a small Mm -hmm. dinner, um, eat as early as you can and and fast then until the next morning. And you're going to have a completely optimal circadian rhythm and hormone profile. Um, You know, aside from, you know, obviously exercising and eating healthy as well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these are very, very easy things to do. Um, a lot of them free, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, the only thing that you have to invest in is a, a pair of, you know, blue light glasses that actually do what they say on the tin for a hundred bucks. Um, yeah. And you've got an investment into your health and you're going to optimize your internal um, hormone system, have the best sleep you've ever had, have all the energy you need during the day. You're going to have lower levels of anxiety, feelings of low mood, um, less headaches, um, you know, less eye strain. It's, um, you know, such a, such a small investment for such a, a big impact on, on your overall health and wellness. For sure. That's, that's incredible. I mean, wow. Okay. So just going back to something you, small, you said, you said to not wear sunglasses when you're going outside. Why is that? Yeah. So it's, it works in the same way that 
not wearing blue light glasses works um, from an, an artificial light perspective. So there's this, mm-hmm. there's this sort of term we use in the light industry called junk light. So junk light is any sort of light that isn't directly from the sun. So when you mm-hmm. wear sunglasses, you're filtering out certain frequencies of light from the sun, um, both visible and, in, and, in, and invisible. So you're creating junk light. And junk light is light that our biological system and, and circadian rhythms are not used to and haven't evolved under. So what we're doing, in essence, by wearing sunglasses is we're creating our own artificial light because it's not the light that's being emitted from the sun. So when you're wearing mm. sunglasses, you're in essence taking out um, frequencies of light from the sun and not getting the correct message to your central clock system. So this is why I never wear sunglasses, you know, 99% of the time. I'll wear them 1% of the time if there's unnatural glare around, you know, like off buildings or if I'm driving and there's a car in front of me and the sun's, you know, um, glaring off the, the windscreen in front of, of um in front of me but you know 99% of the time you shouldn't be wearing them and you know there's a very interesting study that came out 10 years ago that showed that people that wore sunglasses whilst out in the sun all day were more likely to suffer from sunburn than those that didn't wear the sunglasses when they were out during the day and the reason really yeah and the reason being the body has no way of detecting ultraviolet light okay we can't see it how do you know there's ultraviolet light out now our circadian rhythm has developed a mechanism that when it sees the color blue it automatically feels and and predicts that ultraviolet light is present and it makes complete sense from uh, you know an evolutionary theory perspective because when the sun is shining you typically see a lovely bright blue sky, don't you? So you can, asso- mm-hmm. so the brain associates blue light with UV light. So when we're allowing the correct frequencies of, of sunlight to pass through our eyes, it's telling our, our body to increase something called cortisol further. And cortisol is actually anti-inflammatory to UV light. Again, all in the academic literature. So when the correct frequencies of light pass through our eyes, when we're sunbathing or out in the sun, just walking, doing whatever we do, cortisol levels increase, which then protect us against UV light. So when we put our sunglasses on, we filter out a lot of the blue light. So the message to the brain isn't that UV light is present. The brain thinks, oh, it's, you know, it's evening time. There's not much blue light present. Um, UV light must be low. So I don't need to increase cortisol levels and I don't need to protect against UV light. So the UV light has more of an um, inflammatory effect on those people that wear sunglasses simply because cortisol levels can't increase, which means that they can't restore any of the damage that's caused by the UV light and it can't protect us from it. So this is why it's such a, um, you know, a lot of in- misinformation out there that, you know, people say, you know, UV light is really bad. Like, yes, UV light is going to cause cause damage, but UV light is also essential. But it's also how you interact with that UV light, which makes it either damaging or beneficial to us. Really, really interesting stuff. So I guess, um, like going down that same train of thought, how do you then feel about sunscreen? Because of course, like every skincare specialist that I've ever spoken to 
is a big advocate for sunscreen, but I have read and sort of heard things from the other camp saying that like, if you go outside into the sun and have sunscreen on, um, your, your body is almost like not registering the fact that you're getting that sun. And so it's not producing the vitamin D that it normally would. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a few issues with with sunscreen, and you know I don't need to go into the the, the deep sort of um, depths of of telling people about the chemicals that are present in in that screen. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously far from ideal. Um, the the main issue you have with with sunscreen is that it's it's a difficult one to talk about because a lot of people that are listening to this will have a disrupted circadian rhythm. So it doesn't matter if they wear sunscreen or not; they're still going to have um, you know, a hard time, um, with processing sunlight. Um, so people need to fix their circadian rhythm first. The issue you've got with Mm -hmm. sunscreen, it's much like sunglasses. The, the incredible thing about, um, circadian rhythms is that it's not just influenced by light that passes through your eyes. There's also a degree of, um, impact that it has by interacting with the skin. The skin has its own circadian rhythm, okay? It has its own clock system that's independent of the light that passes through our eyes. And we found this out, you know, 18 months, two years ago, when we discovered that um, melanopsin, which is a blue light receptor that we previously thought was only present in eyes, is actually present in the skin as well. So blue light, you know, you can close your eyes and if blue light is shining on your skin, you can still... Um, you can still detect it, but that's a whole a whole other uh, rabbit hole that we could go down. Um, so with sunscreen, what you're doing is that you're ultimately not allowing the correct frequencies of light to send the correct messages to your skin's clock system. So, you know, you can put a lot of sunscreen on that's filtering out UV light, um, but it can be detrimental to the fact that you can't produce, you know, any kind of significant amount of vitamin D because you need UV light to mix with cholesterol to produce vitamin D. So if you're blocking that, then you are not allowing that UV light to do what it does, which is to, um, you know, mix with the cholesterol and produce vitamin D. But what sunscreen also does is again, it tells the skin that, you know, certain frequencies of light aren't present and it doesn't correctly know the time of day that it's in and it can't correctly produced produce the, the, the correct anti-inflammatory responses to ultraviolet light and, and blue light from from during the day what sunscreen also does is that it also um, keeps us out in the sun longer and when you look at it from an evolutionary theory perspective is that you know if you look at animals for instance that um, are typically active during the day that they're, they're, they're typically very active during you know the morning and the evening and UV light isn't present at those two times of the day. Um, and during Mm -hmm. the day when UV light is present, they're out in the sun a little bit, but they're also seeking the shade. And we typically Mm -hmm. don't do that with sunscreen. We just lie and bake in the sun. Now there is a workaround to sunscreen and, you know, I haven't worn sunscreen for five years and I haven't burned once. And I've been, you know, 10 days in the Maldives, um, sitting out in the sun from sunrise to sunset and, and not burning in the slightest. And I have, you know, generally quite pale skin and mm-hmm. nature always has a, um, you know, a mechanism to protect ourselves and the, the protective measure against overexposure to UV light is something called melanin. Okay. So mm-hmm. melanin mm-hmm. is a pigment in the skin. So if your ancestry is, I don't know, Icelandic for instance, or Irish, 
you come from a very high latitude and you have very pale skin. And the reason you have pale skin is because you don't get much UV light at those latitudes. Um, so you can, yeah, you, you basically don't need much of it to, um, or, or you need to be outside for long periods in low UV in order to get the, uh, you know, the required amount of UV light to make the required amount of vitamin D. And then you go all the right. way to sub-Saharan Africa or Australia, and you look at the, um, you know, the, the humans in, in those areas, and their skin pigment is very, very dark. Um, and the reason it's very dark is because UV light is extremely high in those regions, so they need to have protective measures against it. So the good thing is, if you move latitudes like I have from rainy England to sunny Australia, you can put steps mm -hmm. in place to build melanin within the skin. And you build melanin in the skin during the first few hours of the morning. UV light is actually lower. Um, infrared light is higher. So if you're outside um, in the morning for a couple of hours from sunrise, so say the sun rising at 7 a.m., you go out straight out, no sunscreen, no sunglasses, get that sun. You are then going to have more melanin in your body to remain outside during the day during higher levels of, of UV, which is typically between 11 and 3 p.m. Um, mm -hmm. If you are, you know, Joe Bloggs waking up, um, not going outside to watch the sunrise in the morning, um, you know, switching on all artificial lights in, in your um, house and then going out at midday to, you know, go out in the sun, you're going to have no melanin present in your skin. So you're not going to be able to handle the copious amounts of UV light that's going to be present during that day. So you can put your sunscreen on to try and protect yourself from it. But then why would you want to do that? Because you're you know, not going to get the vitamin D you need. And people that have high levels of vitamin D have um, lesser chance of dying of absolutely everything that could kill you. Um, that's been shown in multiple studies. So what I'm getting at here is that, you know, if you respect the sun in so much that you... You, you do what our ancestors would have done and, and you know what's best for your circadian rhythm, which is being out of that sunrise. You're not just getting that jump start to the day. You're also building melanin, which means you can be outside during the day and you can be like myself and, and other people that have practiced this in so much that I don't have to wear sunscreen ever. I don't have to put chemicals on my skin. My vitamin D levels, even in winter, are through the roof um, because I don't wear sunscreen and because I'm out building melanin in the morning and, and people always say, oh my gosh, you, you know, you're always so tanned and, you know, yeah, I am because that's the melanin, you know, it's built up in my skin and it's mm -hmm. protecting me from the dangers of UV light. So, you know, this is why I always apply context to sunscreen. I think that, you know, if you've got a shoddy circadian rhythm and you're not out in the morning sunlight, um, you know, you're probably going to want to not either go out in the sun or put the sunscreen on. But, you know, even then that's, that's awful. Um, you're better off syncing your circadian rhythm correctly, being out in the morning. Um, and then you won't have to worry about sunscreen or sunglasses because you're going to build up that melanin. So essentially the takeaway here is start waking up earlier. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It all comes back to early rising. And when you even look I mean, at things means... like, I was going to say, even when you look at things like um, how fertility works in men and women um for mm -hmm. instance people that go to bed early and wake up earlier are more likely i think it's something like 54 percent more likely to conceive than people that go to bed later and wake up later so you no know way. always yeah it always comes back to um it always comes back to you know circadian rhythms and being in bed early when you should be and getting up early when you know i've done a whole podcast a couple of them on 
fertility if, if people want to um you know listen to me delve deep, deep into it but you know there's some very specific studies one with with males that um males produce something called um asa which is anti-sperm antibody and it does exactly what it says on the tin it destroys sperm um you know correct levels of it is good because you know it kills the dead and dying ones and, and keeps them healthy but too much of it you're going to have a low sperm count and you know, there was one study that showed that men that went to bed after midnight had around 90% more of this ASA in their, um, wow. in, in their bloodstream um, than men that went to bed before midnight. And also men that woke up earlier had higher testosterone levels than men that went to bed. I'm sorry, the men that woke up, you know, two or three hours after the sunrise. So it's, it's just mm -hmm. fascinating. And, you know, when you look at um, when you look at how fertility works in in women, um, you know melatonin is um, such a powerful antioxidant as I mentioned earlier, and there's two junctions within the um, female reproductive system that has incredible amounts of inflammation and cell turnover, and those are the placenta and the ovaries. And you know some studies have have pointed to the fact that you know. People that are not getting adequate sleep, um, going to bed later, have higher instances of things like polycystic ovary syndrome and also breast cancer. So, you know, it's it's just fascinating how, you know, sleep and wake cycles can really impact our, you know, not just hormonal health, but our reproductive health as well, which is ultimately tied to hormones. Um, but just it just impacts absolutely everything. Um, so this yeah. is why I always say, you know, it's such an easy bromide of, you know, you've got to be up early and you've got to be in bed early. And if you're not, then you are going to be shortchanging yourself. It's literally all linked. And I mean, I feel it in myself too, right? Like there was, um, for, for actually, like, I would say half of last year, I, I started waking up at like five, five thirty, and I could not believe my energy levels. And I still say like when I'm up earlier, like closer to when the sun rises, like, I don't know why I'm like just way more productive. I have much more energy. And like they say that, I mean, the, the world's like, I guess, leaders um, are big proponents of this and they're part of the 5am club and like I mean I guess it all makes sense based on even just the science around a circadian rhythm yeah ab absolutely there's, there's no surprise that 90% of you know the world's leading entrepreneurs and, and company CEOs um, are all up with the sunrise and they're all you know exercising in the morning they're all eating um, the biggest meal in the morning and you know the more you look into it the more it's um, you know is completely tied to to light and you know they, they they do their best work in the morning because that's when you're the most alert and awake because cortisol levels are the highest and you know if you get up early in the morning, you're going to have high serotonin and dopamine levels, which means you're going to feel great. And um, yeah, absolutely, you know, full of energy for the for the day. The world's, you know, the world's most successful people, um, you know, are not lying in till 11am in the morning and, and staying up till 3am. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I guess, what, what we were getting at there. But, um, you know, completely, um, you know, it's not co completely by coincidence, you know, that's, they, mm -hmm. they probably don't know it at a scientific level but they know it because they listen to how their body feels um and they know that they're most productive in the mornings they know that their you know best work is done um before midday and you know it's it's the same for anyone you know and you know if you're if you're not jumping out of bed in the morning and you're slumping during the day 
then you've got something wrong with your circadian rhythm. Um, it's, it's that easy to diagnose. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's such an easy fix, you know, and it, and it doesn't take a long time either. You know, it's not like, you know, you've got, you know, 20 pounds to lose and it's going to take you a year to lose it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of things can be, you know, a circadian rhythm can be completely corrected within about a week, um, of doing, you know, the blocking of the blue light after sunset and, and getting up in the morning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I've, I've, I haven't set an alarm for three years, um, because I know wow. that I'll wake up with the sunrise. Um, as soon as it's five, 10 minutes before that sunrise is, I am literally eyes are, you know, shoot open and I'm straight outside. And, you know, this is another thing that I'd like to say as well is that, you know, the problem with today's society is that we wake up in the morning and the first light we see is our phone. We roll over and we look at our phone. Oh, I was actually going to, I was going to ask you about this, right? Because like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there is such a link between our phone, like seeing it first thing in the morning and our cortisol level, because at the beginning of this year, I actually made a resolution that I was not going to look at my phone first thing in the morning. And so I don't look at it for the first hour of the day. And I feel like it's just made an impact in everything. So is there like a link? I mean, when you look at the blue light on your phone, like, is there a link there? Yeah, absolutely. So the color temperature and composition of the light that's in your phone or your house lights or any LED backlit device Mm -hmm. is the same as solar noon. Okay. So midday. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, if we, Mm -hmm. as I alluded to earlier, and and people will will understand is that light turns on our circadian rhythm and Mm -hmm. the specific frequencies of light send a message to the brain of exactly what time of day it is. So when you switch your light on in the morning before you've gone outside or you roll over and look at your smartphone in the morning, you're telling your brain it's midday. So you're going to phase shift your circadian rhythm. So your your body will not want to go to sleep when it's supposed to go to sleep. You'll miss out on all the hormonal benefits of the light that um, would have entrained your circadian rhythm in the morning. Um, and you're generally just going to <laughs> wreck your circadian rhythm because you're getting the wrong type of light at the wrong time of day. You know, you've got to think of it that we've evolved under a ball of fire in the sky that emits the only natural light source that we see, um, you know, aside from aside from fire, but fire has no impact on circadian rhythms because of the frequencies of light in it. Um, and then what we've done is we've created artificial suns So we've got this ancient circadian rhythm in our body that's evolved perfectly under the sun. And now we're we're, we're basically living in an alien environment that our circadian rhythm can't attune and entrain itself to. So, you know, we've got these mini suns everywhere in our life now. They're in our phones, they're (laughs) in our, you know, everywhere that I mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, they all tell our body that it's midday. So we're constantly living in this perpetual state of midday from, you know, almost 24 seven, you know, it's, um, right. it's scary, you know, go home after dark and do everything that I mentioned earlier and your, your body's mm. go, Oh, it's solar noon, you know, it's solar noon. Um, and you just, we just have this mess inside of our body that, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly easy to fix, but also incredibly easy to, to knock off sink. And, you know, we haven't mm. made it easy for ourselves in the last 15 years by, you know, putting these little artificial suns in absolutely everything now. Um, you know, when 
when I was growing up, um, you know, in the uh, sort of mid mid nineties, um, you know, it's hardly any smartphones, you know, you'd have one computer in the house, you'd watch a few hours of TV, you know, there wasn't modems, there wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. LED, you know, burglar alarms and things like that. And um, car headlights weren't very bright. And, you know, we're just sort of stripping out all this amazing light um, and just replacing it with artificial light and it's no different to junk food you know we've got all this beautiful Mm -hmm. produce on the planet that we can eat and be healthy um yet we choose to eat junk food and processed food and wonder why we're sick and the same is true with light we have this beautiful ball of fire in the sky that we've evolved under and have this you know complex circadian rhythm that's governed by you know the movement of our planet around that sun um Mm -hmm. and we you know, replace it with junk light and expect to be healthy. And, you know, we're such a fragile biological system that even small changes can really impact us from a health perspective, um, from the junk food we eat to the junk light that we're under. That is really fascinating stuff. So then what is the workaround here? Because like, you know, people obviously they have to answer emails. So do you recommend basically like, you know, first thing in the morning, people wake up, they go spend some time outside and then they get to all of this? Like how much time should they be spending outside before picking up their phones? Like what, what is the workaround here? Yeah. I mean, if you're outside in the sun, the light from your phone or the light from your laptop doesn't make a difference because you've got the full frequencies of light coming from the sun, which will override everything. So where you Mm -hmm. can, you can be on your phone outside if you want to. Um, you can be on your laptop outside answering emails. That's why I typically work by an open window or, you know, I'll work outside where I can. Um, you know, if, if people can't do that, then just five minutes outside is fine. You know, longer the better, obviously. But, you know, five minutes is probably the minimal effective dose. Um, and then just getting regular sun breaks, you know, like not not eating your lunch in the in the lunch rooms. Um, you know, go outside and, and eat your lunch and, you know, have your sun breaks. And, you know, if you, people say, you, you know, even health and safety will say, you know, you shouldn't be staring at a computer screen for too long. Um, and that's true, you know, but, you know, rather than, you know, come off your computer and then look at your smartphone, which is doing the same thing or going and sitting somewhere under artificial light, take that break to be, right, I'm going to go outside and, and get the correct light on my skin and, and my eyes. So, you know, you, you've also got to hack all your light environment as well. So, um, you know, from putting flux or iris on your computer during the day, having your smartphone on night shift mode after sunset, having your phone completely turned red. Um, if they go, if people Google how to turn my smartphone red, um, my blog's number one in, in most countries in the world to how to do that. So you can actually have your phone screen completely red after sunset, which means that, you know, you're not going to interfere at all with melatonin levels because night shift mode on our smartphones doesn't actually block all blue light it filters it so it's good for during the day but ironically but not Mm -hmm. very good after sunset you know limit your tv an hour before bed turn off the tv because you can't hack the light from that you know you have to wear your blue light glasses um Mm -hmm. light bulbs um you know we've got um yellow and red light bulbs so we have yellow light bulbs that remove the nasty spike in blue light that is mm-hmm. typically found in, in um, you know, over-the-counter light bulbs. So I have those in my house for during the day or, or the office. Um, I have red light bulbs that I use for after sunset because I know that they won't interfere with my skin. Um, I watch the sunrise, watch the sunset. I'll be outside during the day. Um, I went and bought black 
um, electrical tape and I've put that over the blinking lights on my um, modem, my router. Um, mm-hmm. My fridge light is red. Um, you know, my um, all the burglar alarms in my house um, all have a blinking green light on it, which now has been covered by electrical tape. So, you know, it's things like that. You've got to hack your light environment. And, you know, it, it doesn't just come back to, you know, wearing an incredible product like, you know, the Blue Block Sleep Plus glasses after sunset or, you know, the clear blue light lenses or summer glow lenses during the day. It comes to also looking at your environment holistically and making sure that, you know, you're hacking all different light sources around you, but ultimately being outside in natural light wherever and whenever you can. Mm-hmm. So speaking of hacks here, and this is my last question, because I mean, I know that a lot of our listeners, including myself, you know, we, we do sort of live in climates where there's less sun, especially in the winter. So what can we do to sort of, I guess, lift our mood and still, I guess, like hack winter? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's difficult because sleep is seasonal. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, we got to look at sort of things ancestrally and, you know, we would have more sleep in, in the winter than we would in the summer because mm-hmm. the days are shorter. Um, and what we do is we, because we all work inside now, or, or you know, majority of people listening to this will work inside when it's grey and miserable outside in the winter, which it typically is, um, unless you live in Australia like me and it's lovely, but um, you know most Lucky. people <laughs> rubbing it in there. Most people, it's, it's winter now and it's twenty three degrees, which is what like. Oh my god! Yeah, like, it's it's summer here and it's twenty three degrees. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's 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 lovely, beautiful blue sky. It's amazing, but um, uh, yeah. So what happens is it's typically grey, miserable outside, raining. So what do we do? We switch the lights on. So we're under more artificial light during the day and the night in the winter times than we are in the summer because typically natural light is is good. You don't need the house lights on. You're outside more and you're getting those you know restorative um, frequencies of light. So when you're under artificial light for long periods of time, your cortisol levels remain extremely high. Um, mm-hmm. And when something remains ex- you know extremely high within your your body. Um, specifically on the hormone side and cortisol, you become more stressed and and anxious and, um, you know, depressed, I guess. Um, And this is why you get a lot of northern latitude um, countries like the UK, Canada um, and and other places in North America um, have something called seasonal affective disorder. And this is the, Mm -hmm. you know, distinct lack of sunlight um, but also coupled with highly elevated cortisol levels because of the copious amounts of artificial light we're bathing under. Um, so there's ways to mitigate that. And, you know, a lot of people use things like sad lamps, um, which I don't particularly think are great because you're disrupting your circadian rhythm by doing it. Um, but you can also take bigger approaches by filtering more blue light during the day because you're getting so much of it you don't want to block it but you want to filter more of it so that's why we have um, a yellow lens called summer glow that people wear during the day because um, Mm. in winter that provides about 20 percent more blocking power than the clear lenses but we also did something clever that no one else has done is is and that is we research color therapy and we found that Mm -hmm. people that suffered from low mood and seasonal affective disorder responded extremely well when they looked at the world through a yellow tinted lens. So we found that specific color and we infused it within to our blue light blocking lenses 
to enable people to have uplifted mood whilst wearing these glasses. So not only does it reduce cortisol levels, it also increases dopamine levels as well, which keeps us feeling happy. Um, and these have been tested in clinical trials as well, where, you know, people have, you know, sort of reported feeling much better in terms of mood when wearing the yellow glasses as, as opposed to the placebo. Um, so that's really beneficial, but also, um, Red light therapy is very important in the winter as well. So exposing the body to 616 nanometer red and, and 830 nanometer invisible infrared light can also help, you know, lift mood and make us feel better in, in the winter times as, as well. But, you know, like anything, it's still trying to be outside. Um, you know, you want to be away from artificial light as much as possible in the winter. So even if it's a clear day or even if it's a cloudy day and it's not, you know, tipping it down with rain, get outside and walk around and be outside. And even if you just wrap up warm, just being outside, getting the correct frequencies of light for your eyes, whether it's cloudy or not, is going to do your mental health and well-being um, the world of good. And how do you do red light therapy? So red light therapy is they're typically devices that emit specific frequencies of light, um, 630, 660 red, and then that sort of 630, uh, sorry, 830, 850 invisible near infrared. So you buy these mm -hmm. devices. Um, you've got to be careful because a lot of them give out a lot of flicker, um, which damages nervous system and also high EMF, dirty electric when plugged in. So um, this is why we've created something that's going to be released in a couple of months called Hive, which is a handheld device which has no flicker, no dirty electric, is battery powered and portable and gives out the specific frequencies of light that we need to restore any sort of damaged cells in the body, muscle repair, increase collagen levels, um, reduce wrinkles and also in increase mood and, and well-being um, and you typically use it for about 10 minutes a day um, in the morning um, or you know later on during the day as well you typically wouldn't use it um, after sunset because invisible light isn't present um, after sunset so you would typically use it in the morning and it would just make you feel a lot better and it would also you know from the beauty side of things as well is, is fantastic because more collagen more elasticity elasticity in the skin um, and less wrinkles is also great as well so you know light is such a powerful thing that you can use um, and red light therapy is is another one of those tools that can be used especially in winter months when the sun isn't as strong or isn't out as much um, and it's a good you know sort of biohack that you can have in your um arsenal to um you know make the most optimal light environment for, for for you well i will definitely be buying those um you know in time for winter okay i know i said last my last question <laughs> was my last question but now i actually have one more question for sure. you before we wrap and that is if someone is trying to sort of mend their circadian rhythm and they're trying to wake up earlier what are like three tips that you can give them yeah num number one set your alarm and just get out of bed um you know, just if you if you're not out of bed within the first few seconds of waking up, you're not going to be getting out of bed. So number one is just just mm -hmm. get out and do it. Go straight outside and just slowly wake up out there for five minutes. Rinse and repeat. Do that for a week and you'll be jumping out of bed um, and you probably mm -hmm. won't need an alarm. Um, the next one would be to make sure you go to bed at a correct time from a circadian standpoint. So you'll know that time if you wear blue light glasses after sunset, because you'll be ready for bed at like sort of nine to 10 o'clock at night. And then you're going to get really good restorative sleep. 
Um, and also don't eat a huge meal before bed because that will um, disrupt your sleep um, and make it harder to then get up in the morning. Amazing. Thank you so much, Andy. So tell everyone where they can find you before we wrap. Yeah, absolutely. The, the best place is I am Andy Mant on Instagram. Um, I'm not terribly active on there, but um, you know, I'm, a few times a week I'll, I'll post. Um, Facebook is my most active um, place. Um, we have a group called Light and Health well worth joining. Um, we post a lot in there, but really joining our mailing list um, on blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X because I write a weekly blog um, and I also do a weekly YouTube um, video as well, all about um, a specific topic on light that usually lasts between sort of four and 10 minutes. Um, so just easy, digestible, bite-sized chunks about different, you know, um, different light sort of subjects. So the YouTube channel is it's just Blue Blocks channel. Um, and the face, you know, people can connect with me on Facebook if they want as well. It's just Andy Mant, M-A-N-T. There's not many of us. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll find me. And um, yeah, just just follow us on social media, Blue Blocks. And, you know, we, we put out some great content and a lot of user generated content as well that, um, you know, is great. You know, great testimonials and pictures of people wearing the glasses and talking about how they've transformed their lives through, you know, finding the light. Amazing. Thank you so much, Andy. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real honor.